So hey, if we have not met before, my name is Nate Braun. I am the executive director here um, and have the privilege of opening God's word for us today. Um, We've been in this series called God's Good Design, um, really looking at how did God originally set things up. We've been kind of camping out in Genesis 1 for a little while here. Um, And if you were here last Sunday, um, Tim kind of skimmed by a few words, be fruitful and multiply, and just said, oh yeah, Nate's going to take on that topic. Um, I got a text this morning from one of my friends who was at the nine o'clock service and, you know, got handed a bulletin when he walked in and sat down and, and sent me a picture of the back where it says that I was preaching. And he's like, seriously? I thought Tim was joking. No, Tim was not joking. Um, So here I am. I didn't ask why I was nominated for this one, but here we are. Um, No object lessons today. Okay, straight into our passage. If you open up to Genesis 1, Genesis 1, this is uh, in the very beginning of the Bible. And uh, we we are kind of camping out in this passage. And so if you're someone... um, honestly, much like me, who um, has read this passage maybe many times before, it kind of feels like old news in some capacity, I'd encourage you as we um, read this through again, uh, maybe would God let it fall on fresh ears for you. So we are in Genesis 1, we are going to start in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, uh, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so here's how we are going to tackle this this morning. We are first going to look at this passage, just Genesis 1. We're going to look at it through the lens of God's good design um, and how that kind of played out a little bit in the Old Testament. Um, And after we talk that through, we are going to jump into the New Testament and see how Jesus expands this call in the New Testament. All right, so as we're going through this, if there are things that pop into your mind that go, yeah, but Jesus says, or, or this passage Don't worry, we're going to get there, but just hang with me for a little bit, okay? Okay, so two weeks ago, if you remember, um, I was actually up here and we taught about um, humanity being made in the image of God and that they were, uh, part of that being made in God's image was being designed for a personal, perfect relationship with God and perfect personal relationship with one another, right? So, Let's tackle the first one. God created humanity to be in perfect relationship with him. This was a a deep, meaningful, personal, secure connection with their creator, God. 
right? They got to worship him. They were to delight in him. They could enjoy him. There was nothing standing between the two of them. Now let's think about relationship with one another, right? They were built for this kind of relationship where they could enjoy one another. They could know one another. There was no shame. There was no embarrassment. There was no um, division or secrets. They were perfectly united. And most importantly, they could enjoy God together. They could worship him together. They could work and serve their king alongside one another. And Tim taught on that last week, that very idea that they're called to work, right? Called to rule, to subdue, to have dominion over God's creation. That out of the overflow of that perfect relationship with God, they would rule over his creation in a way that honors him, that points back to him, take this good thing that existed in the garden and spread it over all of creation. And that's where this phrase, be fruitful and multiply, comes in, right? God establishes the first marriage between Adam and Eve. This good, um, this good design, this good um, covenant relationship between God and this man and this woman, And in this marriage, right, they were going to be given the gift of sex and the gift of children. Good gifts that God gives. And those kids, and they'd have more kids and kids and kids and kids until every corner of the earth was covered in his image and in right relationship with God. Right relationship with one another. And they'd build out this community of people who'd rule over his creation, who'd be in relationship with him and would point everything back towards him. It was God's good design. Hopefully you caught a moment ago, I said, the gift of children, right? Look, just a quick survey of some areas of scripture. In Psalm 127, which I preached on um, this past summer, talks about the, um, the blessing of children, right? That when you build your foundation on God, when you raise up and disciple your children, he uses this image of arrows in the hand of a warrior, right? You, a warrior needs arrows for both offensive and defensive purposes. And Psalm 127 is saying, your children can be that very same thing for the kingdom of God. In Genesis 17, where God's establishing his covenant um, with Abraham, God tells old childless Abraham that he will not only have a son, but that he will be the father of so many that you can't even count. The captivating image scripture puts forth is Abraham as a father, right? Who, who is present and engaged and who, who's the father to many. Proverbs 17 says, um, grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Now, again, I would never refer to anyone who's a grandparent as aged. Be impolite. The Bible uses this word, though, to describe the crown being grandchildren, 
right? That, that you've had children, that you've raised up children, that you rose, you uh, discipled them well, that they themselves got married and had children that they're raising up well. And it's this picture of blessing, being able to, to sit in the seat of grandparent or great-grandparent and see the generations coming um, behind you, a multiplying family. Psalm 139, it talks about the way God intricately weaves every child together in its mother's womb. Right? That every child has incredible value, everyone from the tiniest baby being newly conceived in its mother's womb. That every child is worthy of value, dignity, and protection. I'm going to sneak into the New Testament for just a second here. But in Mark 10, Jesus talks about the way that children hold special value to him. And he highlights their ability to have faith and to see God in a way um, that's just a lot harder the older you get. We get weighed down by so many things that we have so many things that capture our attention and our worry that children actually show us this picture of faith in God, reckless, abandoned love for God. And even if you just simply, uh, from a practical perspective, look at families throughout history, and I think this was really true, um, really, I mean, up until 100, 200 years ago, is that... um, from a very practical perspective, families valued children, right? We were not all segmented off into our little areas where dad's running to this thing over here and mom's running to this thing over here and we gotta get the kids to, to sports and to cheer and to band and to that thing and, and family life was like a um, logistical nightmare. What it was for a long time was that you had kids because you were building out a team, right? You needed to build out a multi-generational family who could help provide for and care for one another. You needed a multi-generational family to help uh, work the family business, right? To keep things running. With a Genesis 1 perspective, Right, lest you think that was sort of a selfish perspective on having children, with a Genesis 1 perspective, you wanted to have kids because you wanted a large, multi-generational family team who could accomplish the work that God has put before you. The blessing right, was to have children. But remember... The whole reason that was a blessing is because God is establishing this community of people who will be in perfect relationship with him, relationship with one another, who can rightly image and reflect that to the world around them, who can serve alongside one another and point each other towards God. You're going to hear me repeat that to you multiple times today because that is what God is seeking to accomplish. Right, so kids are an incredible blessing and in God's good design, that is how God goes about creating that community, right? Fruitful multiplication. But the problem, and this is always the problem when we're looking at God's good design, is that it has been affected by sin at every level. So you know, right off the bat here, 
there are some people who would look at God's good design of marriage and or children and would go, I, I am just not interested, right? That does not sound compelling to me in the least bit. Now, in a little bit here, we are going to talk about people who have either chosen singleness, who are in a season of singleness and using that for God's purposes, um, or people who maybe are even unable to have children, right? We're, we'll tackle that in just a minute here. But there are many who just look at that good design, right? Marriage, children, and go, That's, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like it's, it's what I want, it's usually some version of, and I, again, I want to be fair here, but it's usually some version of, I don't want to be tied down, right? I've seen people with kids. It looks like a lot of work. Um, you know, marriage, I, uh, I kind of want to keep my options open, right? I want to be able to travel. I want freedom and flexibility. I don't want to spend my money. I don't, you know, Jeremy says, get out your wallet. I don't want to get my wallet out for somebody else. Right? I want to get my wallet out for me. I don't want pregnancy to mess with my body. I don't want to deal with all the hassle of, of life in marriage and with kids. The list could go on and on. And, I, and again, I want to make sure that I'm being fair there. But if you are someone in that boat, right, whether it's marriage or it's kids, and you're looking at a thing that God says is good, right, we could apply this to anywhere in Scripture, if you look at something that God says, this is a good, good blessing, and you go, I'm not interested. That should be like yellow flag moment where you go, I think I gotta wrestle through this with God. I've gotta find a mentor. I've gotta find somebody in my small group, somebody who, who can help me navigate what's going on in my own heart because our own hearts have a tendency to deceive us. And so if you are someone who would question the value or worth of marriage or children, I wanna invite you to explore that with God this week. Another effect of brokenness on us is that frankly, many people who get married um, and long to have children struggle to do so. It's just a sad, unfortunate reality. The answer to why is not always clear or simple, but again, there are many, many, many people who wish they could have children and it hasn't happened. If that's you, please hear me. God is not punishing you. God has not turned his face from you. God is near to the brokenhearted. That is so clear throughout scripture is that God is closest to the people who say, God, I need you. And so if that's you, I pray that you would cry out to God and that you would be met by brothers and sisters in Christ in this room who would come alongside you, mourn with you, encourage you. But I will tell you, even those who are um, blessed with children, sin is still in the equation here. I can tell you 100% of people who are happily married 100% of people who then have children um, are sinners parenting slightly smaller sinners. <laughs> it is just the fact of the matter that you yourself are a broken, sinful person 
and that you will give birth to or you will adopt or you will foster somebody who themselves is a little, tiny, broken, sinful person, right? They will smile and stare you in the face and throw their food on the ground. They'll punch their sister. They'll, you know, whatever the thing is, they'll do it while they smile and look at you. Not my kids, but other people's kids. (laughs) Sin has... uh, pervaded all of it and what sounds like it was supposed to be so effortless right like Adam and Eve you're naked in the garden and you know you just run around and multiply and the whole like thing there you just go like ah that's okay that's that's a Genesis 1 picture you could get behind but it's not that way right no matter how no matter which way you look at it it's filled with heartache it's filled with difficulty I will be the first to tell you there are high highs. There are moments where all of that is so incredible and there are low lows. Moments where you will question God's good design. But here's the thing, right? I mean, that reality, it's becoming, even just statistically speaking, I guess, more and more prevalent. Marriage rates, really even, I mean, around the world, but especially in um, Western countries, I mean, marriage rates are going down. Divorce rates continue to go up. Birth rates continue to go down. All over the world, it seems, the effects of sin have twisted God's good design and pushed us further and further away from it. But remember, God's good design, telling you again this morning, it's the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman that they'd fruitfully multiply, having kids who bear the image of God, becoming this community of people who love God, who worship him, who are in right relationship with one another, stewarding over his creation. And that was the blessing. Right, hear that, that was the blessing. Multiplication participating in God's work through marriage, through having kids. But as we move into the New Testament, we get a clearer picture, not only what God was going to do about sin, but about how God was going to open up and expand that invitation of multiplication. That everyone could now participate in the blessing. So we're going to move our way into the New Testament. And this is where we see, right? God God knew the effect that sin was going to have on his image bearers. He knew the things that he was working to accomplish, right? The, The people in perfect relationship with him, with each other, and ruling over creation. He knew the that was going to be messed up. And so he sends Jesus. It says, God saw our brokenness and sin. He saw that we were living as enemies of his. He saw the broken marriages, right? He saw the wayward children. He saw the effects of sin. And God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And through Jesus's perfect life, death, and resurrection, he breaks the power of sin, He gives us his spirit. He enables us to again enter into that relationship with God. That we would once again taste relationship with God. 
that we would get a taste of restored relationship with one another, that we could rightly image him to the world around us. But here are a few things I want to highlight from Jesus' life to give us some color to what we're talking about today. So first off, Jesus was never married. Jesus regularly affirmed the blessing and goodness of marriage. But Jesus himself was never married. I'm going to give you two passages here. We're not going to um, look at them in depth, but I'm going to summarize them for you. The first is Matthew 12, 46 through 50. This is a passage where Jesus is sitting down and he's teaching and um, some of his uh, like biological family shows up outside and they say, hey, your, your family's looking for you. And Jesus goes, my family? My family's right here. Signaling people who make up my family are those who are in right relationship with God. That God's actually putting together a new type of family. In Matthew 19, 11 and 12, and um, I will level with you, this one is going to take some interpretive work on your part, but luckily for you, I did some of that for you this week. Jesus is essentially getting at this, um, this idea that there are some who are part of God's covenant community, who will choose to be single for the sake of the kingdom. Who will choose singleness for the sake of kingdom purposes. Paul picks up on the same idea in 1 Corinthians 7, essentially saying that it can be to the benefit of the kingdom of God that you would abstain from marriage to instead devote yourself to above and beyond kingdom work, right? Not just abstaining from marriage because it's not that interesting or I don't want the inconvenience, but abstaining from marriage because God has put kingdom work before you and you want to fully devote yourself to that. Well, what work is that? Turn with me to uh, Matthew 28. This is again a passage uh, I guess many of you are familiar with. We, um, we see this as really a, a um, purpose of the church and so we're regularly in it. But Matthew 28, we're gonna start in verse 18. Um, and as I read through this, I want you to see if you see any connections between our be fruitful and multiply passage we've been looking at in Genesis 1. Okay, so we're in Matthew 28. Verse 18 here is where we're going to start. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Right, so connections here, connections. As I was studying this week, here, here's some things that I noticed. Right, in Genesis, we see God as the creator over all things. Right, the whole picture is one with all authority, creating. In our passage here in Matthew, we see Jesus as the one with authority over all of creation. In Genesis, right, they were called to be fruitful and multiply. 
being made in the image of God and spreading the image of God, right? Take this little thing that started in the garden and spread it over all of creation. In Matthew here, got this thing that happened, right? Jesus' life, death, resurrection happened in a specific place. And they're called to make disciples, to baptize, to teach them how to properly reflect and image God, multiplying the number of people who now uh, bear the restored image of God and multiply that covenant community. In Genesis, they were meant to be in perfect, everlasting relationship with God. In Matthew, Jesus here closes the statement by saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so here's, as I, as I read it and I, I study this, Jesus is teaching that this blessing of multiplication, of participating in the work of the kingdom, yes, it includes having kids. I don't think he's, I don't think he's replacing the, the command to be fruitful and multiply. I think he is expanding it. That now you can participate in kingdom expansion even if you don't have children. Right? Again, in the Old Testament, the primary source of blessing the ultimate source of participating in that work, it was seen as having children. Again, children, they were a source of provision for you and your family. A well-raised child would be an incredible blessing to your family team. But now in the New Testament, Jesus establishes that even those who don't have children can participate in that blessing by raising up disciples or spiritual offspring. By raising up disciples. Now this is, uh, this is tough work, right? Everyone, your, whether it's your kids, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's a coworker, whether it's someone at a coffee shop or the gym or, um, I don't know, pickleball court, like wherever you spend your time, none of those people uh, were born like surrendered to Christ, None of them were born in perfect relationship with God. And so the call in the Great Commission is multiplication, but a multiplication of people in relationship with God, right? Who know how to rightly image him. And so the call is to share our lives, to share the scriptures, to share who God is and what he's doing. And so, yes, we, di- we disciple our children, raise up our children, but every single one of us are called to disciple and to raise up more disciples. God's goal is not just that you'd have kids. Remember, the goal is the covenant community of people who know him who live in relationship with him, who live in relationship with one another and who reflect that to the world around them. Jesus taught that that was going to happen through that church family, a church family that has spiritual mothers and fathers, people who we respect, who we learn from, who we care for, It's set up with spiritual brothers and sisters who sure, you probably give noogies and annoy, but you also encourage and speak life into, provide for one another, 
walk alongside one another. And he's told us to multiply, to add more people to the church family, to make disciples. Again, whether it's your own children or whether it's a coworker, person at a coffee shop, the gym, whatever it is, God's seeking to multiply his covenant community. And so some of you may actually end up choosing to stay single and not have kids. Not because it's an inconvenience, not because you have roommates right now and you can't imagine living with roommates for the rest of your life, little roommates that make messes that you clean up all the time. Again, they're a blessing, sorry. Um, But you may actually choose to stay single because you're going to use that undivided attention for kingdom purposes, for kingdom multiplication. I know there are some of you in this room too who maybe read this be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1 and you think you've kind of aged out of, you know, I'm I'm not having more kids, so this is great for the young people. Um, Here would be my um, invitation to you. I know many... uh, again, dare I say, older people in our congregation who see the younger people in our church and go, I want to invest, right? Whether this is people, I mean, we have single, married, you know, all across the board, people who serve in our kids' ministry areas who go, I'm going to, I'm going to disciple the next generation. We have people, again, all across the spectrum who go, I'm going to be a small group leader in, uh, in high school ministry, in college ministry, in young adult ministry, who go, I've learned something. I've walked with God for a long time. I want to be part of kingdom multiplication. I know a few older people, a few of who are in this room right now, who, um, this is the wrong word, but have like adopted a young family going, hey, I'm going to be there for whatever you need. You guys need date night? Call me up. You're behind on laundry? I'll be there. Right? You need something? I'm going to be there. And, and almost have it in their mind, like, I, I am going to make it easy for the next generation to see the blessing of kids, to see the blessing of family. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to help carry the load. I'm going to be that spiritual mother, that spiritual father, and help the next generation multiply, right? Not only having children, but discipling the next generation, So as we get ready to to land the plane here, right? First and foremost, if you don't hear anything else, hear from me. God has designed you for personal relationship with him. Unquestionably, God's good design is that you would be in perfect relationship with him. And so if you're in here and you're someone who, you're like, I'm not sure if that's me, at the end of our service, we'll have pastors down front, we'll have our prayer team down here. We would love to just answer questions you have. We'd love to talk about what that could mean for you. But I want to encourage you. You've been designed for relationship with God. If you're in the room and and you're like, yep, I'm already there. I've made that decision. My invitation for you would be to continue to lean into that relationship. Continue to read God's word. Continue to know him through prayer. Being with God. Second, 
Again, I, I do not see um, the Great Commission as a replacement for the be fruitful and multiply command. I see it as a, an addition or expansion of that blessing. And so if you are in this phase of life, man, I would encourage you, um, marriage is a good, good gift. Children are a good, good gift. Be fruitful, multiply, right? Disciple those kids, create every opportunity for them to be raised up, to own their faith, to become part of this community of worshipers and then launch them into their own families who can do the same and we will see kingdom multiplication. That is God's good design. But if you are in a stage of life, right? Lastly here, a stage of life where you go, um, again, either I just... I have not been blessed with children, right? Or I'm outside of that just stage where, um, where children are an option for me. And you are invited into the work of kingdom multiplication. It's not a sit on the sidelines. It's not a, oh, that sounds difficult. That sounds like an inconvenience to me. God is inviting you into his kingdom work. Lean into kingdom multiplication. Share your faith. I love um, Connor is on our staff. Um, he is uh, sort of pastors our group's ministry. And one of the things Connor has been doing is just encouraging people. Just ask somebody if they'd be interested in reading the Bible with you. Even just a little bit. You don't have to sit down and do, I'm going to teach you the Bible. You could just say, would you be interested in reading that with me? And Connor is seeing more and more people doing this. Pray for opportunities to share about who God is, what he's done in your life, what he's continuing to do. But God is inviting you into the blessing of kingdom multiplication. And I don't want you to miss it. Would you guys pray with me? God, you are good. God, I'm thankful that when we think about your... Um, your design of what, what would God want from us? What would God have designed us for? What would he be inviting us into that um, you don't leave us guessing, God, that you have laid out your good design. You have laid out what it is you call us to. So God, one, I, I praise you for revealing yourself to us. God, as we look at your, your good design for marriage, um, for children, I praise you for that design. Think of the many things that um, we as a community of people who've been able to participate in those things, the many things we learn about you through um, those gifts, God. But as we look at the, um, the expansion of that invitation into kingdom multiplication, God, would you um, set our minds not only on marriage and children, but would you set our minds on your kingdom, God? that you would shape us into a community of people in right relationship with you, in right relationship with one another, and who steward over and rule your creation rightly, God. Help us to be people who have our minds turned toward kingdom multiplication. Give us opportunities, give us boldness to take advantage of those opportunities. And God, would we participate in that work seeing a growing community of people right here in our neighborhood, God, who love you and worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.